Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Tend to Track Weekly World Match Previews Podcast. I'm your host, Soccer Noob, and joining me as always will be my nine-year-old daughter and real star of the show, co-host Person Noob. Hello! We do many previews of the 10 most important matches in the world, but as we define them, which might be a little bit different than most podcasts, we will do big matches from the big leagues, but we'll do smaller countries' leagues as well, plus tournament matches for clubs and national teams alike, women's or the men's side of the game. We'll go anywhere. If it's important where it's being played, there's a good chance that we're going to be talking about it. This week's matches will be covering our soccer week, which we call Friday, which is August 27th through Thursday, September 2nd. And it's going to be an extravaganza this week. Lots of separate fun features. In fact, before we even dive into the previews, we're going to start off with a one-time special feature. So here is travelogue entry number one. Doesn't video work so well for an audio podcast person, noob? Sure. <laughs> it says, time for noob's first ever MLS match, or any match. And here I am, I took a picture of our cats. I said, here I am abandoning my animals. And it's a picture of our two cats in the kitchen looking out the window, and I'm about to leave them. What do you think of picture number one? Nice. He was gone for about four hours in kitten time. That's 28 hours. He abandoned his animals for 28 hours, and I am not mad. Yeah, but you know you and mom are home, right? I don't care. <laughs> log entry number two is me taking a picture of a woman getting back to, into her car at the local convenience store where I stopped for water. I had been uh, planning to approach her in the store. I picked her out randomly. I don't know her. Stranger to me to see if I could get her to do a promo for the show or say her name and wish me good luck for the show. But as I watched her interact with somebody, it turns out she's deaf. I don't know sign language, so all I did was end up getting this picture for the travel log. Uh, but the good news was that she got her uh, propane tank refilled, so I'm happy about that. Your thoughts, person new? Learn sign language. Why did you mention that she got her propane tank refilled? Why would you buy water right beside your house when you could have gotten a glass at home before you left? And I have a bunny that I've had since I was like one. Yes. Well, and I love my well, bunny. Welcome to the podcast, Bunny. Okay. Bunny uh, even I do know a little bit of sign language, and that wasn't going to help because this is an audio podcast, and the only other thing I'll address, number B, propane tank. Uh, I don't know why I wrote it in there. I was just happy for her that she got that done because I could imagine sometimes stuff like that could be a challenge. Travelogue entry number three is a picture I took of all the poor souls backed up for about five miles on the interstate heading southward as I had a clear shot heading northward towards Cincinnati. What do you think of this one, person noob? That cloud in the background, y'all can't see it without looking at the picture, but that just looks like a Dr. Seuss character. I don't remember who it is or what book it's from. Cloud's a Dr. Seuss ostrich. An ostrich guy from Dr. Seuss. Okay, fair enough. Travelogue entry number four, continuing northward on my journey. I thought it was just quite ironic or perhaps poetic that I was passing a semi-truck or trailer of some kind, not sure what it's called, but it was towing like 15 golf carts. Golf carts can only go about 15 miles an hour. I felt like this was sort of taunting them to take them at 70 miles an hour for probably the only time in their lives. Person noob. Golf cars. Uh, I think I just explained that. 
So are you jealous of the trip yet based on what you've seen so far, person noob? All right, maybe uh, picture number five will do it for you because, oh, I laughed and laughed the miles away on the highway over this one. I was either taking uh, I was either taking the phone out of my pocket or putting it back into my pocket and I accidentally snapped the picture of my leg from the knee all the way down to my foot. Oh, it was worth such a chortle. What do you think of that one? What does chortle mean? And did you accidentally take a picture of your foot? Or did you purposely take a picture of your foot to, to say you put it on accident when you really did it on purpose? My attorney says I can decline to answer that one. Okay, entry travelogue number six isn't quite so wacky or zany. Traffic is with a virtual standstill because it was around rush hour. And so since I was stopped, I had time to take um, a really pretty picture of the Cincinnati skyline from this outside. What do you think? That's super pretty. Like you're at the And around your picture, I only see one car that's not white or silver, including yours. Entry number seven, I had to walk about a half a mile from the south of the stadium to get my first view of my first Major League Soccer Stadium. So here it is, Personude. You can see it over what I believe was a parking garage or some sort of other building. Uh, you'll be happy to know that I survived the trip from the south because I passed a lot of... Uh, Broken down old warehouses and a lot of businesses and other things with a lot of barbed wire fences. I probably parked on the worst side of the stadium. Your thoughts? That stadium looks like a stadium that I went to once. And just so you know, I don't know what it is, but those clouds look like something familiar. Again with the clouds. Travelogue entry number eight. I am now inside the stadium taking my first picture. My ticket was for a seat in the fifth row, directly diagonally behind that corner flag. These were really awesome seats, although there's probably not a bad seat in the house. Are you getting jealous now? Still not. Travelogue entry number nine is a, uh, if I don't do say so myself, a beautiful shot of Montreal setting up a defensive wall, not too terribly far outside of the penalty box. Cincinnati had earned a free kick and botched the attempt horribly, uh, more or less just kicking at a medium pace into the wall and blowing a big chance to score. Person new? Who are you rooting for? Well, as a journalist for the show, I try to you know keep things fairly neutral, but I was surrounded by Cincinnati fans and if Cincinnati were to win, that would have made me very, very happy because it would have made them very, very happy. And just as we have 10 official matches on the 10 to track, I had 10 pictures for my Twitter travelogue entry for Soccer News USA. Mr. Noob goes to Cincinnati versus Montreal. And here is the last shot. Person Noob, are you jealous yet? It's me outside the beautifully lit up TQL Stadium, one of the newest, if not the very newest stadiums in MLS and it is absolutely gorgeous the way it lights up. Are you at long last jealous of my trip? Yes. Are you glad you got to look at these pictures with me? Yes. Ah, uh, memories. March number one. We will keep things chronologically oriented as always. Didn't happen to have any qualifying Friday matches for this week's track that we chose. So Saturday we start here. Match number one in Major League Soccer. 
where a reminder, the top seven teams from each of the two conferences are going to make the league playoffs. The number one teams from each conference are going to get to advance straight to the semifinals. And those same two teams, amongst others, will automatically qualify for next year's CONCACAF Champions League. Your matchup is number two in the West, Sporting Kansas City, taking on number three in the same conference, the Colorado Rapids. It's geographical uh, rivalry or derby week in Major League Soccer. Most of them are going to be pretty good matches, but this is the best one in terms of the table. You can catch it at uh, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, ESPN+. Now let's take a look at said table. Seattle, first place. The Sounders have 42 points. Kansas City in second with 39. Colorado with 37. And then the LA Galaxy with 35. There's a pretty big gap down to number five. This it very much looks like, as I believe we're just over the halfway point of the season, that it is going to be this four in a four-horse race for the conference title. Now, Colorado has one distinct advantage here in that they have played two fewer matches than all three of those other teams. So statistically, this is just about the best team in the conference. In terms of the overall series or most recent matches in the series, the last 25, SKC leads with 10 wins, 8 draws, and 7 losses. And then this season, they've already played twice. This will be their third matchup. Kansas City won 3-0 at home, and the Colorado held them to a 0-0 draw when they played in Denver. First, we'll talk about the Wizards of SKC. Uh, That used to be the official name of the team. They got changed in 2010 to Sporting, which I just learned is something of an interesting name choice. It's not just European, but the uh, advent of sporting as a use for a soccer club name is very much Iberian, basically think uh, Portugal and Spain, and it has a very specific meaning over there. You use the word sporting for a club name when your club has multiple sports offerings. Kansas City doesn't right now, although they've been uh, working, I think, for a while about pairing up with a local uh, rugby football team. But to the best of my knowledge, that relationship isn't formalized yet. So there were a lot of people that didn't really care for the sporting name, interestingly. In any case, in terms of the actual footy internationally, uh, 2019 was their best CONCACAF Champions League finish. They got to the semifinals where they lost to Monterey out of Liga MX. Twice they have won the MLS Cup. That's the overall and playoff title. Last time they managed that was 2013. And they had the best record in the league in one of what is called the Supporter Shield in 2000. Last year, they finished number one in the Western Conference, and they got all the way to the playoff semifinals. This year, statistically, they're excellent, particularly on offense, number one in the entire Western League. Uh, tied for second place for league scoring, we've talked about him before on this show, is Hungarian Daniel Saloy, 25-year-old striker. Kansas City have had the rights to him basically his entire senior career. Most recent rumor about him is that he would very much like to go over to England, even if it means going over to a second level or a championship league team. So you wonder how long they'll be able to hold on to him. They've already run into something like that. They lost the guy who was probably considered their second best player. Uh, Gianluca Busio moved over this season to the top league in Italy, their Serie A, to play for uh, Venezia. In terms of their recent form, not as great recently, even though they're that high in the table. They are just 1-2-0 in their last three, and those two draws are their last two matches. Now, we'll move on to Colorado. They play out of Commerce City. It's about, oh, 10 or so miles from downtown Denver. It's got the largest oil refinery in the entire Western Rockies, as far as the footy. 
two CONCACAF Champions League appearances. Most recent one was 2018. Uh, they've never been any farther than the group stage, I don't believe. They won the MLS Cup in 2010. Last year, they finished just fifth place in the West, and then they uh, ended up getting kicked out of the playoffs in the very first round. This year, the offense is a little bit above average, but the defense is the second best in the entire West. Uh, on the league assists leaderboard, Englishman Jack Price, he's 28 years old, midfielder. Everybody on the, everybody talks about Kellen Acosta, and he's made some USMNT appearances. But I think Jack Price is really the midfielder that makes things go for Colorado. Spent his first seven years with Wolverhampton over in England, but uh, most or all of that was before the Wolves were actually in the Premier League. And then as far as that defense that we mentioned, tied for number three in goalkeeping in the entire league for clean sheets, William Yarbrough. Interesting fellow. He was born in Mexico, although technically he would rep for the U.S. Uh, if he were to get internationally played. But he was born there to missionary parents. And being so familiar with Mexico, he actually spent the heart of his career with one of their uh, Liga MX teams, Leon. Their form is much better. 4-1-0 in their last five, and they have three straight victories under their belt. My thoughts on this game. Kansas City, they have not won a match at home since late June. I believe that Colorado can go in there and get a win or at the very least a draw. They will get some kind of result. Match number B. No, you did not miss here. She did, in fact, say match number B. It's a big thing that we believe in here because, let's face it, number two is bathroom talk. So replace that with number B if you choose to join us in our Revolution New Bites, and we hope you will. In any case, this is another Saturday match. Staying in our neck of the woods, heading southward to Liga MX for a number one versus number B matchup. Number B, Leon, taking on number one, Club de America. First, we'll talk a little bit about the league and how their season sets itself up. Mexico and most of the uh, Latin American countries all set up their soccer year into two distinctly different stages or uh, I think of them as seasons, but I believe they call them stages. In any case, they name them the Apertura or opening and the Clausura or closing stage, and they only play a single round robin for each of those. Now, the top two finishers in each of these two stages are going to get to qualify for the CONCACAF Champions League. In terms of just this stage, the Apertura in this case, which they're about a third of the way through, the top 12 teams are all going to make the playoffs. The top four will have the advantage of starting in the quarterfinals. Now, you can catch this match on Univision at 10 o'clock Eastern time, should you choose. Looking at the standings, Club de America lead Leon by three. Leon, in turn, lead two other teams by two. The uh, fairly recent series matches have been even. Leon has a narrow lead with a 10-4-9 and record. Uh, they play out of an area called Guanajuato. Wato. Boy, that one was hard for me to say. Metro area is about 2 million people. It's the seventh largest in Mexico. And uh, I just love the nickname because I took some uh, Spanish when I was in high school and a little bit uh, when I was in college. They're known as Los Panzas Verdes, which means the green pants or the green pants wearers. Dad, and it's my... Dad, it's the green belly, bellies. The green bellies? Mm -hmm. uh, pan panzas. It's a cognate. It sounds like pants. 
on your thing right here where you take notes that you read, it says green bellies, not pants. Okay, fine. You're right. Just ruin all my fun. I really thought that the green pants was funnier. Didn't you think that green pants was a better nickname? No, I have not laughed this whole time. Okay, fair enough. Nice to know I'm good at doing a good job. All right, fine. They are known as the green bellies. Interesting uh, reason for this. And by the way, this one is true person noob. Uh, leather work is a particularly big industry, a handcraft in this area. And if you work with leather, uh, long enough, your skin starts to get a very, very slightly green tint, which I did not know till recently. Nothing outrageous. You don't look like an alien. I'm not making it up, but that really is why they're called the green bellies. In any case, I'm not aware that this team has had any, uh, probably within the last 20 years, any uh, CONCACAF Champions League success, but in terms of domestic play, pretty good. They've got eight stage or league titles. Uh, most recently, they won the Apertura last year, so two stages ago. Uh, in the 2020 Clausura, they dipped all the way down to number six. This year, the defense, barely above average, but the offense has been second best, and that means overall they've had an excellent goal differential, third best. I think they're going to be able to hang on and get one of those top four spots. Top ten in league scoring for this squad is Angel Mena. He is from Ecuador, longtime veteran winger player. Spent the whole first ten years of his career down in Ecuador, but with their very, very best club, probably, Emelec. And then he was with Cruz Azul here in Mexico for two seasons before coming on over to Leon. But their best all-around player, I think, is on the defensive side, a center back named William Tassio. He's 31 years old. Uh, not much of a passer. Tackling's pretty average, but he's excellent in open space. I don't know if you would call him a true box-to-box -box player, but this is a guy who likes to play out of the back and take things all the way up to near to the other team's uh, defensive third. As far as this team's form, they have five straight wins across all competitions, or they did until in their last match that I saw, they earned a draw versus Santos. Meanwhile, coming to town, Club de America, they are known as the Eagles, and I just learned that the reason they are named this is because the team was founded on Columbus Day, reason they chose America for it. Uh, seven CONCACAF Champions League titles to their credit. Historically, that's the most for any, any club in any nation in our federation. Most recently, they won it in 2015-16, uh, 13 league or stage titles to their credit. That's also the most in their country's history. They last won one. It's been a couple of years, interestingly. 2018, the Apertura, they won. Defense is very good, but the def uh, off, or I'm sorry, the offense is top four, but the defense is where they really get it done. They're tied for best in that category. So much, so good, so in fact, that they have the number one goal defense, uh, goal differential rather going on here in this stage. Players to watch out for tied for number two in assists. Salvador Reyes, he is a left back, a defensive player getting in on the offensive stats, and just 23 years old. It'll be interesting to see if he doesn't make a move to Europe within the next year or two. They're all-around best player, though, anchoring the defense is their goalkeeper, Oscar Jimenez. Um, I'm not sure if somebody ahead of him has been uh, injured or what the deal has been with uh, Guillermo Ochoa. I know that uh, he would be their starter, but he was out for the gold club because of some minor injuries. But here, the backup, uh, Jimenez, he, in three appearances so far, he's already got two clean sheets. He's been excellent. As far as this team's form, they got a draw in their opening match and they've won every single match ever since. My thoughts on how this game is going to go, it's not a slight against Lyon, but I don't care who they're playing anywhere in North America. Give me Club America all day, every day. They're the best team in the Confederation. Match number three. We're moving on to Sunday on the calendar. 
Match number three is a match out of the NWSL, the top flight women's league here in the United States, where they're a little bit over halfway through the season. Of the 10 teams, the top six are going to make the playoffs, and the top two are going to advance straight through to the semifinals. And your matchup is a dandy. Number three, the Washington Spirit taking on number B, North Carolina Courage. Paramount Plus is the place to watch it if you choose. Five o'clock Eastern time kickoff. Looking at the table, it is a a two-team race for the title more than likely. Portland's got 29, and then the Courage in North Carolina are at 27. Then you've got a bit of a gap. Washington and Seattle have 22 points each, and then there are three more at 21. So those five teams are going to be playing a game of uh, musical chairs, so to speak, to see which one doesn't get to go to the playoffs. I'd be really surprised if anybody from further down climbed up. Uh, The Courage have really had control of this series, 11-3-3 in the last 17. This year, Washington won at home the first time they played 2 to nothing. They did play in sort of their preseason or early season tournament called the Challenge Cup. They played at North Carolina, and uh, the Courage won that match 3-2. to two. Oh, and look who it is that's checking in for the show online. Hey, it's 3,500-year-old prognosticator Noob Stradamus that we have on contract. Looking good with the flowing hair and the robes and all the cliche things that ancient oracles had uh, given the time of his arrival i'm certain that he's here to give us a prediction on how this match is going to go by the way congratulations to neutradamus on last week's match prediction he actually got the winner right if you can believe it that might be the first time now he was nowhere close on the score but it, we take what we can get remember gamble responsibly Or if this is the only podcast you're listening to, maybe don't gamble at all, at least based on this. In any case, take it away, almighty soothsayer. Greetings from the merciless Thracian plains of Greece. The winds blow the chaff of extraneous thoughts from my mind as I near my trance state, traveling through space and time. Whee! I find myself sailing with Sir Walter Raleigh, 1602, on what would be his last voyage to the New World. Word had reached me of the lost colonists of Roanoke Island. I want to see this new land and help solve the mystery of their fate. We must be days from making landfall. But the stars, they are not right for the Chesapeake area. We're much too far south. I had been too trusting of Raleigh, and he's of an incredibly strong mind. Walt was dismissive of their possible plight. Those colonists were killed or assimilated into native tribes. Or goodness, they could be hundreds of miles inland, traded already as slaves from people to people. As long as the Queen thinks those colonists are doing colony stuff, my monopoly on Virginia remains intact. Plus, there's been a massive outbreak of syphilis back home. We're going to harvest and take back sweet-smelling sassafras. The natives use it for all manner of curative, Back home, they're offering one to two thousand pounds per pound of this stuff just on the chance it will cure STDs. We'll be rich, 
and I'll cut you in. Huh. Having no need for money, as a soothsaying world wanderer of great renown, I have no need of his quid. But that's a lot. Wait. One to two thousand? One to two. The vision fades. Noob. North Carolina will pull off the road win over Washington. One to two. Now go, heat up some milk, boil some sassafras, and enjoy a hot, steaming mug of saloop. I have seen, and I have spoken. Match number four! To be perfectly honest, while rich and rewarding... His visions aren't always enlightening in the football sense, although I do enjoy that we get to learn some history, folklore, sometimes art, architecture, religion, all manner of things. I love learning about the world through learning about soccer, and at the very least, Noobstradamus helps us do that. Meanwhile, match number four, a Sunday match. We're off to Finland, the Vikosliga. This is one of Europe's summer leagues. They're about three quarters of the way through the season. Uh, most or really all of the of the summer leagues aren't that strong. This is only the number 42 ranked league in UEFA, but you know what? That's kind of part of the reason we go there because most other podcasts aren't talking about these leagues. If it's important where it's being played, there's a pretty good chance team noob is going to be there out of this league, one champions league berth, And then the next three teams in the table will all go to the tertiary Europa conference league. This is the first year that they're holding that tournament. In fact, your matchup is number one, HJK versus number two, K. Ooh, I said it wrong. I said number, you know what, instead of number B. You should slap my hand. Ow. Okay, I've learned my lesson. HJK currently leading the table by nine. So if they can get a result here, it's pretty much good night, KUPS and everybody else, and you can start polishing HJK's trophy. But I will say that KUPS does have a match in hand, so a little bit of hope there. But they probably got to get a road win today, and that's going to be tough. KUPS in turn lead Inter Turku by six. So it's only going to come down to these two teams almost certainly and something else that they can uh, hang their hat on. KUPS at home got a nil-nil draw out of HJK the first time they played this season. Let's talk about the home team first, HJK. Here's the full name of the club. You want to give this a try, Person Noob? Jokopola Kluby. Wow, that's probably better than I was going to do. Helsingin Jakopalo Kluby. You could see why most of us in the Western world just go with the alphabet soup like HJK. Uh, give some perspective here in rankings. This team is probably just outside the top 150 clubs in Europe. Historically, and interestingly to me, they have been sort of an upper middle class club, uh, while the uh, leftist working class clubs all had their own league decades ago. But that's uh, changed over time, of course, as the uh, inner city dwellers in particular, the working class folks, have moved uh, outward into the city and even into the suburbs. Now, this is the only Finnish club to ever make a Champions League group stage. Back in 1998-99, they accomplished that. They've also been to the Europa League group stage once. 
Uh, they were in the Champions League this year as the defending champions, of course. They won in the first round, but then lost in the second round. The Europa League, uh, they won their third qualifying round match, and then now they're down uh, 0-1 last I looked to a Turkish team called Fenerbahce in the playoff round of the Europa League, which comes right before the group stage. So it'll be a really big deal if they can make a comeback and get to the group stage. Domestically, no question that they are league, the league power. 30 domestic titles, as I mentioned, defending champs. This year, number two offense, but wow, number two defense. They're not even giving up a goal every other game on average. Number one goal differential, as you might imagine. Tied for second place in League scoring is Philip Valencic. He's a Slovenian 29-year-old attacking midfielder. Again, to lend some perspective on how this translates to leagues or countries with it, uh, in which we might be more familiar with their football, this guy spent the 2015-16 season with an English team called Knotts County. Knotts County is professional, but really just barely. They're in the fifth level of the English pyramid, four levels below the Premier League. As far as this team's form, other than that one goal loss to uh, Fenerbahce, they are unbeaten in their last eight matches across all competitions. And now your challengers, KUPS, or I'll take a crack at this one, Kuopian Palasura. I might be getting that right, or I might be butchering it. Much easier to call them the Canaries. They've won the league title six times. Last time was in 2019, and that's really important because they hadn't won it since the 1970s prior to that. They got to go to the Champions League uh, for the first time, therefore, in 2020, and they made the Europa League playoff round. This year, uh, they won three matches in the Europa Conference League because they finished in third place last year. But last I looked, they had lost their first match nil four to Union Berlin. It's possible that the second match has been played. This is what it looked like uh, when I first scouted the match. And quite frankly, it didn't look good for them. Now, these guys have the number one offense in the league. They almost score two per game, a top two defense as well. And they only trail their host today, HJK, by three on goal differential. So if they can catch up and even get even, goal differential may well come into play. Number two league leading score is theirs to boast of, Urho Nissala, a homegrown midfielder. As far as the team's current form, other than that horrible Union Berlin loss, they are unbeaten in their last 10 matches which means that you put them together and they've won 18 out of 20. So noob thoughts, who do I think is going to win this match? When in doubt, take the home team and when in doubt, take the league traditional power. And in this case, that those are one of the same HJK. Match number five. We stay on Sunday and we head back to our home confederation of CONCACAF. And this time though, we're specifically headed even further south. The Caribbean for the Liga Mayor, the top flight from the Dominican Republic. I think of this as roughly the number seven league probably in all of CONCACAF. A lot of people will say that Jamaica is the best of the Caribbean ones. I think that recent international results last couple of years have the Dominican uh, Republic just a little bit higher. In any case, they've already finished their 18-match regular season, and then they take the playoff teams from that, and they start the championship round. They're about halfway through that, and they wipe out all their points, and they start over, which I think is interesting because most countries don't do it that way. In any case, the winners qualify for a tournament called the Caribbean Club Championship. There's also another one that's similar, by the way, called the Caribbean Club Shield, and that's for clubs from non-professional leagues. The Dominican Republic's uh, league, I'm nearly 100% certain, is professional, and I know that this is where the champion goes. In addition, uh, and the winner of that goes to the CONCACAF Champions League. I believe that the second and third place teams, and maybe even the fourth, then get to move on to something called the CONCACAF League. 
which is a feeder tournament to the CONCACAF Champions League. In any case, let's get to the matchup here in league play. Number one, Atletico Pantoja taking on number B, Cibao. Pantoja leading the table currently by one. Cibao in turn lead a different team called Mocha by five. We'll talk about the home team first, Atletico Pantoja. They are known as the Warriors. But, and I love this better because it reminds me of the match from earlier, Atletico Pantoja means athletic pants. And I think that's interesting because they're sponsored by a clothing manufacturer that kind of specializes in particularly spangling ones. I've seen them pants and they make the team by contract wear these pants during the games that they have to play. Yes, person who? The Spanish isn't right. It doesn't mean pants. It says right there, it's the name of a neighborhood. It doesn't mean athletic pants? No. Just because I put it in my notes? No. You're ruining all my fun. You know that, right? Yes. You're a person new, but you're suddenly pants pro. Is that what I'm hearing? Nope. Still person new. <laughs> okay, fine. Yes, it is a neighborhood out of Santa Domingo. We like to have a little bit of silly fun here. The club was founded in 2000, mostly by uh, Argentinian immigrants at the time. Um, little fun fact I found out about the club, and this one's true. They uh, On the, their website, they brag that they are the first team from the DR to have ever gotten 10,000 followers on Facebook. I guess you take your glory where you can get it. They won the Caribbean Club Championship in 2018. They have six domestic league titles. Uh, They last won it in 2019 when they used to split it into two seasons. They won the Apertura. And then they also won uh, the Grand Final is what they call it, where the winners of the Apertura and the Clausura play for a national championship. Most Latin American Countries, I don't believe, bother to do that, interestingly. At the very least, they don't really acknowledge them as the national champion. This team's got the number one offense in the league going, second-best defense. 3-1-0 and oh is their record here in the championship round. Uh, their current form overall, until they just had a tie with third-place Mocha, they had won nine straight matches. Meanwhile, Cibao, this is a, a real nickname and one I like, the Orange Beast. Uh, they play out of Santiago, which is nicknamed the Heartland City. Uh, this is famous area for getting your rum and cigars, lots of fun vices. Uh, it's the second biggest city in the country. Cibao is actually the name of the region that it's in, in the north of the country. The club was founded in 2015, uh, which was uh, just like a year, maybe two years before the Liga Mayor was even started. Not that it's the first time they've ever had top flight football there, but in its uh, current iteration. Uh, It appears that this club was started with the help of a local Catholic university and some sort of foundation from Real Madrid. I don't think you would call Real Madrid a parent club, but there's definitely some kind of relationship historically there. Kind of fun. Uh, They won the uh, Caribbean Club Championship in 2017, and then they won their only league title in 2018. This year, they went undefeated in the regular season, so they're number B right now in the championship round because those points got wiped away. Number one offense tied for the third-best defense in the regular season, but for the championship round, they've really been stepping it up. They have only been allowing a uh, less than a goal every other match. Their current form is that they are 3-0-1 in their last four. Nevertheless, my thoughts on who are going to win, once again, you go with the home team's home team when you can. Pantoja, go, 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 team of athletic pants. Voracious, hungry kitties. 
or at least the sound of person noob imitating them for some reason that we do not know has come to represent the time of the podcast when we take a break from tracking the upcoming week's matches and do what we purport to do in our name. And that is mainly track. Let's do a recap of last week. Episodes 45s tend to track matches. Match number one was a Friday match out of the Canadian Premier League where number one Pacific FC took on number two Cavalry. And it was a Cavalry road in one to two. Joe Mason had a brace for the winners. My thoughts had been that uh, with both being in the Canadian Championship, that Pacific were going to easily win at home because Calvary had had to play an extra game, and I was oh so wrong. Match number B came to us from Europe's Women's Champions League. It was the round one final, and we took a look at Benfica out of Portugal taking on Racing Club out of the lowest seeded team's country, Luxembourg. It was in Sarajevo, neutral site. And unsurprisingly, Benfica won 7 0. Gal named Francisca Nazareth had a brace. Saturday, match number three, Major League Soccer. We had number four, Colorado Rapids, taking on number five, Real Salt Lake. And it was Colorado coming up on. Coming out on top 2-1, to one, Colorado moved up to number 3, and RSL slipped all the way down to number 6. Match number 4, we looked at England's FA Cup with Prescott Cables from the 8th Pyramid of England taking on 10th level Campione, and it was a surprisingly competitive game, but Preston Cables, the favorites, did come out on top. Three to two. Match number five was the final of the, thank you COVID, 2019-2020 Arab Club Champions Cup. With number one, Al Idihad Jeddah from Saudi Arabia taking on Raja Casablanca of Morocco in Rabat, Morocco. And the result, oh, what a dramatic game. Uh, Raja Casablanca won four to four and then three to four on penalty kicks. Uh, for Al Idihad, uh, guy we said to look for, Romarino had a hat trick of goals. And then for Raja Casablanca, our possible man of the match uh, named Rahimi, he did in fact have a goal as well. Match number, match number six from the Canadian Championship, or in other words, their FA Cup. We took a look at Premier League's York United FC versus one of the semi-professional league teams, Masters Football Academy out of Ontario. And the result was an unsurprising 5-0 win for York United. Julian Albrecht had a brace. And uh, a guy uh, that we made a USA connection for, Osvaldo Ramirez, who I wasn't sure had even been playing that much, he had a goal as well. Tuesday, match number seven from the UEFA Champions League playoff round, leg number two. We were looking at Ferenc Varos of Hungary versus Young Boys of Bern out of Switzerland. And in a comeback victory, it was Young Boys of Bern winning two to three, which means they win six to four on aggregate and get to move on to the group stage. For Ferenc Varos, Henry Wingo of the U.S., a defender, scored the first goal. Wednesday, match number eight, we were looking at the AFC Cup, the secondary tournament in Asia for clubs. It was what is called a zonal final. There are five zones in Asia. This one was the Central Asian zonal final, where we had Nasaf Karshi out of Uzbekistan taking on a a haul from Turkmenistan, and the result was a narrow win for Nasaf 3-2. This was a dramatic game as well. They led 2-0, and then on a brace from a guy that we said to look for in the box score for a haul, Elman Tagayev, he had a brace of goals, and then Nasaf ended up getting the winner on a penalty kick from another man in the match candidate that we talked about last week, Kusayan Norcheyev. Thursday, match number 9 the UEFA Europa playoff round, leg two. And we looked at uh, Royal Antwerp out of Belgium, taking on Omonia Nicosia for Cyprus, and it was 
Uh, Antwerp winning 2-0. I had to scroll down just a little bit. And Antwerp, that means that they won. Uh, they tied things on aggregate, and then they had to go to penalty kicks, and they won 3-2, so they will be advancing. Match number 10 was from the UEFA Europa Conference League, the tertiary tournament. Also the second leg of the two-legged ties in the playoff round. Lincoln Reddins out of little, little, tiny Gibraltar took on Riga out of Latvia. First leg had gone one-to-one, and this match was one-to-one as well until late when Lincoln Red Ibs got two goals and added extra time. They win 4-2 on aggregate, and for the first time, The Rock will send a team to European competition proper, meaning they have advanced to the group stage. Hey, I don't care if it's the Europa Conference League. That's a really, really big deal and lots of fun. And then our bonus matches, explanations coming later. Route of the week was a Sunday match out of Malawi's Super League. Number 16, Mzuni, took on number one, Nyasa Big Bullets. I had predicted a nil for a win for the Big Bullets, but in fact, Mzuni held them to a nil-nil draw, so not the blowout that we thought it would be. So now, Big Bullets only lead second-place Silver Strikers by one on goal differential, and this they've only got a couple matches left, I believe, in this season. And then your most meaningless match in the world was a Saturday match out of Major League Soccer. Number 12, Houston took on number 12, or number 10, rather, Dallas. The result was a 2-2 draw, as is appropriate for the most meaningless match in the world. For Houston, Fabrice Picoult that we said to watch out for, he had a goal. And for Dallas, Ricardo Pepe, he who just got called up to the USMNT at 18 years old, had a go as well. Houston drops to last place, and Dallas drops to number 11. And then, finally, the match of Disappointed, the Saturday match from, of all places, Mongolia, what they called their National Premier League. Number 10, Lions took on number 9, UB Mazalenu. I'm still struggling with that pronunciation. And the result, Lions got a 3-0 win, and they switched places in the table. That wraps up our recap of last week's matches. Let's dive right back into next week's matches with... Match number six. We get Monday off after all that weekend tracking. And now we're off to Tuesday and headed back to Europe. And before we talk about this match, I want to make sure that we acknowledge for the listeners that uh, the rest of the episode is going to be pants-free. Does that seem fair? Yeah. Oh, wait. Pant- that makes it sound like we're not wearing pants. That'd be more than a little bit awkward for us, for the listeners, for everyone. Could you please acknowledge, confirm that we are, in fact, wearing pants? Dad's wearing blue jeans. I'm wearing black pants. All right. Very good. So (laughs) no more lame pants jokes then. That's perhaps a better way to put that. In any case, we're off to uh, the Women's Champions League in UEFA on Tuesday for match number six. They are in the second round of this event. Match we're going to be talking about is the first leg of a, uh, or the first match of a two-legged home and away tie is the best way to put that. Now in this round, there are 24 teams left. So the 12 winners are all going to advance to round of 16. There are four teams uh, from the winners from the very top leagues in Europe that qualified straight through to the group stage. In any case, this particular round two match is Osijek, out of Croatia versus Bredeblik from Iceland. I believe that the uh, Osiak team is one of the very lowest seeded teams left remaining. So I thought it would be ton- fun to talk about them. Their club nickname is the Princess of Maskamama. I probably am getting the pronunciation wrong, but in any case, I believe that that is a castle that is in uh, in or near the city of the Osiak. It might even be a town or an unincorporated township event, some kind, but the castle seems to be the primary thing. 
In any case, Osiak is the fourth biggest city in the country, uh, well over 100,000 people. It is the capital of the eastern region. There are four regions that the country is broken down into of Slavonia, and this is the cultural and economic capital, essentially, of the country. Uh, most of the industries, unfortunately for them, went uh, really flagged during the 1990s. Uh, there was a recession. Now things are back up, but it's mostly the agriculture and then industrially, uh, the handful of companies make detergents, soap, and cosmetics are the only ones that have really come back. Back to the footy. The Women's First Football League is rated just number 33 in UEFA. Nevertheless, this team is familiar with Champions League play. In two different times, they've made it to the round of 32, most recently 2014-15. Domestically, you have to wonder if anybody else even shows up. Check out this streak. From 1994 until 2003, they won every single league title. They took a little time off, and then from 2007 through 18, they won every single title, and they won the 2021 league. In terms of that league, goodness, they were almost scoring seven goals per match, and they only gave up 11 goals in the 20 matches all season long. Just insane statistically. Uh, but yet, get this, on the defensive end, they didn't run away with things statistically. Uh, there's a club called Split that uh, only allowed 12 in their 20 matches. In fact, they tied with Split in the regular season and in the championship round and then had to win the league on away goals tiebreaker. Number one in the league for scoring, oh and how, was Lorena Baltic. She scored 44 goals, more than two per match over the 20. All right, on to our Icelandic challengers, uh, Breidavlik. They play out of a city, I believe the pronunciation is simply Kopor, although it looks like Kopvogur, so might be a couple silent consonants in there. In any case, it's the second biggest city in the country, not quite 40,000 people, and it is just south of Reykjavik. If it were much smaller, you might even call it an exurb. Uh, if you are a folklore fanatic, you are probably very familiar with this uh, town. It's uh, probably the biggest area where a lot of the folklore comes in regards to the Holdufolk, if I'm getting it right. The elves that live in a parallel world that a lot of the people there, in fact, still believe in to this day. And they can make themselves visible as well. Sometimes they're helpful, sometimes they're mischievous. But it's a really neat thing about Icelandic culture, this little bit of sort of pseudo history, if you will. As far as the footy, the Ervils dealed Kavena, their top flight is the number 11 rated league in all of Europe. As such, they actually get two Champions League berths. And in terms of the Champions League, I know that they made the quarterfinals in 2006, 2007. Interesting, my usual source site didn't really seem to list how they had done for like the last decade, but I mean, they've been there, I'm sure. In any case, domestically, 18 league titles to their credit. The 2020 season, they had the number one offense and defense, 66 goals for and just three against. And yet they only won the league by two points over number B, uh, Club Valor. A tied for number one in league scoring last year for them was Agla Maria Albert's daughter, a 22-year-old midfielder, and then tied for number one in scoring as well with her was Svindis Jane John's daughter. And interestingly, a couple of USA connections. I really wasn't able to find much quickly about her, but they do have a forward from the U.S. named Taylor. Uh, I think it's Zymer or maybe Zemer. And then a gal I can find a little bit more about. They've got a gal named Tiffany McCarty, who has played for a mess of Major League Soccer teams over the years. Uh, as recently as 2019, she was with, we talked about him earlier this show, the Washington Spirit. My thoughts on this game and how it'll go. 
you might not even be able to find a gambling line on this, to be honest, because women's soccer, there doesn't tend to be a lot of parity, uh, whether it's from country to country or internationally. The fact that the league is considered so much stronger in the coefficients means that uh, Bride of Blick are probably going to win this running away as far as a score will. They're going to win by as much as they feel like for however long they feel like leaving any of their starters in. Match number seven. And now we'll move on to Thursday. All the remaining matches are Thursday matches. It's how we end our soccer week here for this show every week. And we're going to be talking about nothing but World Cup qualifier matches from here on out. They have returned. Some of these federations started as early as 2019. COVID really put a kibosh on things for a while. And now they're able to continue. Our first Thursday match of these is going to be right here at home, CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. They're in the third and final round. There are eight teams remaining. They're going to play a double round robin home and away. The top three are going to automatically qualify for the World Cup, plain and simple. The fourth place team will have to play another sort of borderline team from one of the other confederations called an inter-confederation playoff match for the right to go to the World Cup. And the matchup is El Salvador versus the USA. Now, a lot of podcasts that you're going to listen to are going to be able to do, frankly, much better and certainly much deeper dives on Team USA. So I like to strictly take a look at the visitors because those same shows don't necessarily talk as much about them. So again, the game is going to be in San Salvador, which is the home stadium for Alianza FC, and it's also the national team home stadium, as you might imagine. Uh, the U.S. has won the last three games that they've played. This match, you can catch it on TV on CBSSN and on Universo, and you, uh, kickoff will be at 10.05 Eastern time on Thursday. This is probably, El Salvador is probably the number six national team in all of CONCACAF for the men. They're rated overall by FIFA at just number uh, 69. They've been to the World Cup twice, but those years were 1970 and 1982. They didn't win any games, get any draws, and in fact, they only scored one goal. But hey, good on them for getting there. As far as the Gold Cup, our local international men's team championship. Every single year, it seems like they finish somewhere between sixth and ninth. Now, they did have a very good 2019-2020 Nations League. They won their group, and they will get promoted up to the top division of that event, Division A, and get to play teams like U.S. and Canada next time. We've got six U.S. League team connections with the El Salvador team. I'll talk about a couple of the key ones. Uh, certainly their best all-around player is probably midfielder Darwin Seren. He plays for the Houston Dynamo. In fact, he spent the entire second half of his league career with various MLS teams. He's only got four goals for him, but he's made 70 appearances for the El Salvador national team. And then Alex Rodan, he is a defender, uh, plays just about as much midfielder for the Seattle Sounders. And he is U.S. born, just like his brother, Christian. So interestingly, Alex has chosen to rep so far for his parents' home country of El Salvador. His brother just got a U.S. men's national team call-up. So there, we did get a little bit of U.S. coverage. There you go. You're welcome. Uh, both of the brothers, if you didn't happen to catch it, were in the 2021 uh, Major League uh, soccer All-Star game against the All-Stars of Liga MX last week. He's got four caps for the USMNT, and they've, uh, or rather for El Salvador, I should say, and they've all been within the last year. The main thing to know about this team is if they're going to win, it's going to be due to their defense. They have had absolutely no offense really to speak of in recent years, and quite frankly, their goalies have kind of aged out, and the ones they've got playing right now are somewhat younger. I think this is a team that's going to run into trouble early and often. Their current form certainly speaks to that. They are 0-1-2 in their last three. That's two gold cup matches and a friendly. 
Match number eight. Next, we're headed back to Europe for World Cup qualifying action. They're in the first round about halfway through. It's going to take all the way to the, till November to finish up. Why? Because they've got 10 groups running of five or six teams each, and they're all going to play home and away double round robins. The winners of each of these 10 groups will automatically qualify to the World Cup. All the runners-up will advance to the second qualifying round. They're going to get joined by two group winners from the Nations League tournament that haven't already qualified to the World Cup. And those 12 teams will play knockout bracket tournaments uh, to determine who gets the last three World Cup berths from Europe. The matchup we've chosen to look at is North Macedonia versus Armenia. That might seem like an odd choice, but I'll explain momentarily. As far as the recent series, Armenia, Armenia has a 3-1-2 record against them. Armenia currently lead the group by three. North Macedonia are tied on points in the table. And now here's where things become clearer with Germany. And North Macedonia happens to lead by one on goal differential. There's one other surprise waiting regarding these two particular teams I'll get to soon. What makes this particularly intriguing is Germany did not happen to win their Nations League group because they competed in one of the best ones. That's not super, super surprising. In any case, what that means is if they don't climb back into the top two, and yeah, they're going to, but it's fun to imagine possibilities, they don't get to go to the World Cup at all, and that would be astounding. First, we will talk about North Macedonia, known as the Lynxes, which I prefer, or the Lions, Ugh, which I do not because every other team in the entire world is the Lions. Let's be a little bit more original. 2020, they made the European Championships, and that was the first ever major tournament they got to participate in. 2020-21, the Nations League, they finished second place in their group. That was in Division C. Uh, a little bit more meaningful, the rated 65th best in the world overall by FIFA, and they are number 34 in Europe. Based on all the seeding and the pots that got drawn, up, uh, drawn out of, this is a team that you would be looking to finish in fourth place, not be in the top two. But right now they are 2-0-1, oh, and, and they've got an impressive 9-4 versus 4 against goal differential. That's the number one offense by quite a bit, to be perfectly honest. And here's the big shocker. They beat Germany 1-2. They went to Germany and got the victory last March. Easily the greatest international victory that they have ever had in North Macedonia. They're probably still recovering from the hangover a little bit, unless I would miss my guess. Uh, three goals is what Alexander Trakovsky has. He's a, a forward slash winger from Mallorca for this team. He is the leading scorer in the group. He's got three, 63 national team caps to his credit and has scored 18 times for them over the last decade. He is the second best all-time leading scorer for the national team. Now, the number one all-time leading scorer, and he played in the Nations League last year, was Goran Pandev, 38 years old. But... He retired from the international game after participating in the European Championships. They had to talk him into even coming back for that. So they're really going to be leaning on Tchaikovsky from Mallorca. Uh, in any case, their best midfielder is probably Enos Bardai, 26-year-old player from, uh, well, from North Macedonia, but he plays for Club Levante over in Spain's top flight. Interestingly, he was eligible for three different teams in this region. Albania and Kosovo were the other two. And Albania, being the biggest, were sort of the favorites to get him. 
And he was going to be willing to play for them, it sounds like, but he claims that they wouldn't return his or his representative's calls. The Football Association from Albania disputes that. I'm not sure ultimately what happened there, but he has decided to play for North Macedonia instead. And he's got 36 national team caps with them and scored six times since 2015. And their goalkeeper, Stole Dmitrievsky, he plays for a team that is newly promoted to La Liga over in Spain, Rayo uh, Vallecano, 45 national team caps since 2015 for him. Their current form, well, even though they still had Pandev working for him, they lost all three of their European match, uh, all three of their European championship matches, I should say, and they only scored twice, gave up eight goals in those three. Meanwhile, Armenia, your challengers, number 99 ranked in FIFA, number 41 in this particular event, never qualified for the World Cup or even the European Championships for that matter. Uh, for that matter. Last Nations League, they actually won their group in uh, Division C and will get promoted to Division B. Based on their seeding, they should be projected to just finish number five in this league. Who is it that's underperforming in this league? Outside of Germany, just slightly, the teams that should be farther up are Romania and Iceland. So this could really become a uh, a thick plot by the time we're nearing the end of this first-round group stage. Armenia is 3-0-0 in the stage with a 6-2 goal differential. Difference between them and North Macedonia as they have yet to play uh, either of their two matches against Germany. Players to look out for. Their star forward is probably Stargis Adamian. He plays for Hoffenheim over in Germany's top fight, the Bundesliga. He's only scored twice in his 25 appearances. And then the all-time greatest player from this country, Henrik uh, Mikitarian. He plays for Roma currently over in Italy's Serie A, but he has had a story in international career. Uh, Borussia Dortmund from Germany, Man United, Arsenal. 88 national team caps, and he has scored 30 times. They will lead on him heavily. He likes to play just, if you're watching this game, he likes to play just behind the forward, sort of a second striker-ish role. He's an attacking midfielder officially. Current form for this team is they are 1-1-1 in their last three. That's over two friendlies and a World Cup qualifying win over Romania at home. My thoughts on this game as far as who's going to win, I wouldn't want to gamble on it. I think it's going to be a great matchup. But I will let the tiebreaker simply be that without Goran Pandev, I think the North Macedonia are really going to struggle for a little while. So I would go with Armenia in this particular matchup. Match number nine. And now we're off to Asia for more World Cup qualifying action. They're in the third round there where there are just 12 teams left. They've been divided into two groups and are playing a double round robin home and away. The top two finishers are going to advance out of each of the two groups. And then the number three finishers, they are going to advance to one more playoff round where they will play each other for the right to go to the World Cup qualifying inter-confederation playoff. There, lots of cues in there. In any case, the matchup that looked most intriguing to me was South, South Korea taking on Iraq. In recent years, South Korea has earned one win and one draw against Iraq. They haven't played each other, though, since 2017. South Korea, they are known as the Warriors or the Tigers. Their fans are called the Red Devils, interestingly. Uh, their home kit is red, and that's where they get that. In FIFA, they are ranked number 37. In Asia, they are third best, and they have made every single World Cup since 1986. Their best finish, they finished in fourth place in 2002. 2018, they made it as far as the group stage uh, before they were eliminated, and they're considered to have finished in 19th place. In the second round, the group stage for this World 
Cup qualifying event. They finished number one. They went 5-1-0, and and it's amazing to me that somebody even got a draw because they had a 22-1 to goal differential advantage. They are captained by none other than Sun Heung-min. He plays midfielder famously for Tottenham Hotspur. He's uh, edging up on 100 national team appearances for his home country. Uh, he scored 27 times for him since 2010. At forward, I believe their best guy to look for is going to be Huang Weizhou. Uh, he plays for Bordeaux over in France's League One, 36 national team caps, 14 goals. And on defense, a guy that's going to be really easy to pick out, fun to watch. It's anchored by a guy named Kim Young-Gwan. He is six foot one, but he is beyond skinny. I believe I've read that's like the main reason that he's never gotten uh, looks from uh, European club teams for the most part. Plays for Gamba Osaka, very good team over in Japan. And we have a USA League connection playing right back for LAFC is Kim Moon Hwan, and he has got 13 South Korean national team caps since 2018. The national team's current form, they've got three straight wins, and they have outscored their opponents 12 to 1 over those. And now your challengers coming from Iraq, the Lions of Mesopotamia. The of Mesopotamia doesn't really help. It's still Lions. Boo. In any case, they're rated number 76 by FIFA, considered number nine in the AFC. Only time they ever qualified for the World Cup was in 1986. They made the group stage and are considered to have finished in 23rd place. Last round in the group stage for Asian qualifying, they went 5-2-1 with a 14-4 goal differential. They finished, uh, they lost to Iran by just one point in the table. Interestingly, little tiny Bahrain actually had a better goal differential than Iraq did. Uh, they are led by forward Mohanad Abdul Rahim. He plays for local club Naft Al-Wasat, 48 national team appearances, 11 goals for him. Playing midfielder is uh, their veteran uh, guy named Hussein Ali. He plays for Svaxim, pretty good club over in Morocco, one of Africa's best league associations. Uh, he's going to be easy to pick out for the opposite reason the other guy. He's really short, only five foot four, and really stocky, and he has got stamina galore. And he plays He's box-to-box Side to side, this guy is going to be ubiquitous on the field. And then defense, anchored by goalkeeper. I believe he's going to be starting for them. Jalal Hassan plays for Iraqi club Al-Zahra. Uh, for, since 2011, he's got nearly 60 national team caps. And we've got another USA League connection. Playing midfielder for RSL, that's Real Salt Lake, is Justin Miram. He's actually a U.S. citizen, Michigan-born, career MLSer, but both of his parents were born in Iraq, and I don't believe he was ever really on the USMNT radar, so he plays through his parents' parentage. Parents' parentage, that makes sense. <laughs> through, the par- through his parentage in Iraq, something like that. 33 national team caps. This team's form, really not that impressive. Makes me wonder if they haven't been playing their starters. Their form is 1-3-0 over the last month. Um, so a win and three draws isn't horrible, but the matches have been against a couple of non-Division One Spanish clubs, not national team plays. And uh, had a couple of nil-nil draws against them. And then they also played two Turkish clubs. And I think one of those two was in Division One. In any case, just not that impressive. My thoughts on this are South Korea in an absolute blowout on Thursday. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. Time for our last, at least official match of the 10 to track. We still got our three super fun bonus matches to go. 
And for this World Cup qualifying action, they're in the second round in Africa, the CAF, where in the first round, the teams from basically the the bottom half of the Confederation, uh, ranked numbers 27 through 56, all played each other, uh, the top 14 advanced, the winners of each pair. And they are now joining the top half of the teams in the CAF rankings here in round two. They've been divided into 10 groups of four. They're playing a double round robin. The winners will all advance to round number three. From that round, five teams are going to get to go to the World Cup. Matchup that we've selected to look at is number 21, Madagascar, versus number 18, Benin. It'll be interesting to see uh, if either of these teams can get a win instead of a draw. That's the team that's going to be most likely to be able to give number nine ranked Democratic Republic of Congo a run here in Group J. Taking a look at your host first, Madagascar. They are known as the uh, Berea, which is a type of Zebu native to that island. Uh, they are ranked number 66 in FIFA, the rankings I gave before for were for within the African Confederation. They've never uh, qualified for a World Cup, but they did qualify for their first ever AFCON. That's the African National Championships just in 2019. And they were amazing getting all the way to number six in the event. And they had a particularly stunning 2-0 defeat over much more highly favored Nigeria. Players to look for. They've got a forward named Paulin Voavi. He plays for Misr Lel Makassa, a pretty decent Egyptian league team. 56 national team caps since 2007. Second all-time on the list for both appearances and goals scored in Madagascar. In fact, the whole forwards group is very, very veteran. This is where their strength is going to be. Central midfielder is actually where their captain is, though, and that is Anaset Abel, he plays for the Bulgarian uh, championship level side, Ludogorets Razgrad. He's got 17 NT caps since 2015. And interestingly, we've got a couple of USA League team connections. Romain uh, Maitanier, I'm going to pronounce it. He plays for Minnesota United. He's a defender. He's actually French-born, so he gets to play through his parental or grandparental lineage uh, for the Malagasy side and he's got 15 national team caps, spent the heart of his career with Mets over in League One in France, which is exactly the town that he was born in. He played there for six seasons. And then Ryan Ravalosan, he's a midfielder for the LA Galaxy. He spent the biggest part of his career, also interestingly, over in France with Troyes. I think I've said it Troy or Troyes before, T-O- T-R-O-Y-E-S, but I'm pretty sure it's closer to Troyes. He's got two goals in eight appearances for the national side. And then Benin's national team, one of my favorite mascots ever. What's the opposite of lions? Well, squirrels. Why not? Not the most intimidating animal from the jungle or anywhere else, I will grant you. Are squirrels even in the jungle? I don't know. I'm fauna noob as well. They are rated number 82 in FIFA, have also never made the World Cup. They have been to the AFCON four different times, all within the last 20 years. 2019, they made the quarterfinals, or considered to have finished number eight. That's their best ever finished. They did not qualify for the last AFCON, or here for 2021. Anchoring their defense, one of their best players is Khaled Adenon. He plays for Avranche, which is a French Division Three team. Uh, he's got 67 national team caps for himself since 2006. Uh, the goalie is a veteran as well, but all the other defenders are very, very young for uh, the Benin side. At forward leading things is uh, Mikhail 
Pote. He is French-born. Currently plays for a Division II Turkish league, uh, league side called uh, Bandirmaspor. But he did spend uh, three years over in France uh, from 2009 to 2011 with Nice and has 56 national team caps since 2008. Their current form, they are 0-1-2 in their last three, haven't scored any goals, although they only conceded two in the AFCON qualifiers. My thoughts on this particular match, defense travels. I think that this one is going to go, uh, thankfully for Benin, for a draw. Before we head into the three bonus matches, I want to say I did not forget South America. At least I haven't forgotten South America entirely. When I was putting together my notes, I just inadvertently didn't highlight it. I would have done one of the matches. All of their 10 national teams are also playing matches on Thursday. But rather than do an official sort of match preview and calling it match number 11 or a different bonus match, I thought, hey, I haven't done a culinary segment yet this episode. So why not look, look up something food fun from the host team of the match I would have covered, which in the current group would have been number eight, Bolivia, taking on number five, Colombia. I would have picked that just so you know, because the fifth place slot that Colombia is in right now, whoever finishes there doesn't qualify automatically for the World Cup. That's the team that will get to go to the Inter-Confederation playoff. I always think I'm going to say that wrong. So host team Bolivia, I looked up some of the cuisine from there and found a dish that I would just love to try. And I'm sure that lots and lots of people across Bolivia will need after a hard night of partying if they are able to upset Colombia at home. It's particularly traditional on New Year's Eve, and if I'm getting the pronunciation right, I think, but don't know that it's just a coincidence that, it's, that it looks like the word fricassee, but it's sort of a super stew called uh, fricassee. Here's what you're going to need for it. It's going to sound delicious. Uh, plenty, of, And look up your own recipe for the amounts if you really want to make this, but you're going to use... Uh, for the main meat, pork steaks or country ribs. You're going to slice those into little one-inch uh, pieces. And then this is really, really spicy, which I know doesn't sound like something you might want in your stomach after a, a celebratory night of drinking, but just bear with me. You're going to be using chili ancho powder, paprika, cumin, and then it gets even hotter still. Chili de arbol powder, or you can use cayenne pepper, a little bit more popular in most kitchens. And then this really thickens up the stock. Aji Amarillo pepper paste. That's where your real heat's going to come from. White onions, smashed uh, garlic cloves, bay leaves. And then, and here's what gives the stew or soup its whole thickness and why this is so good after a uh, long, fun night out. Uh, you're going to uh, use yellow potatoes if you're traditional. You're going to quarter those and put those in there. And then you're going to use a whole bunch of hominy, very similar to grits. That's what's going to give it its thickness and a lot of its uh, absorption power, sort of a comfort food after you've had your adult beverages. Try to soak things up a little bit. For that same purpose, you'll also want to have plenty of crusty or hard rolls in hand, particularly if you can bake them or find them at the grocery store, something called Portuguese rolls, interestingly, and toast them, that that is the most traditional bread side to have with this. So, no soccer knowledge, but we'll get back to the South American teams next week. In the meantime, I hope you've taken some notes and might to decide to go on a culinary adventure. And now time for perhaps my favorite part of the podcast, the bonus matches. And what makes this my favorite part is that you, the listener, have a hand in deciding what matches that we're going to cover on a different week. How is that? Well, early in the week, Monday or Tuesday, on Twitter, 
I put up polls, by the way, my handle is Soccer Noob USA there. Please don't forget the USA. You get to vote between the varying matches that I put, put up that match the criteria. Things will become clearer soon for each of these matches. You vote, magic content happens, it's dreamy. In any case, the first match is a first versus last place matchup from some t- top flight domestic league in the world that we like to call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And the one you voted for is a Sunday match from Asia, Tajikistan. Their top flight is called the Higher League. It is rated number 17 in the AFC. As such, uh, one team is going to get to go to the Champions League. Uh, The winners, they'll qualify right through to the group stage. The second place team will probably get to go. They're what's called a standby team. And then two teams from the league are going to get relegated. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season. And your route of the week matchup is number one, Istiklal, taking on number 10 in last place, Kuktosh. Istiklal currently lead in the table by four over second place, Kujand. Kuktosh trail number eight, Fizkan by three. I'm looking at the number eight team because the number nine one's going to get relegated as well. Doesn't matter which of those two positions you finish in. Now, giving a little bit of hope to what might otherwise be our roadkill in waiting, Kuktosh actually at home earned a 1-1 draw with this team earlier this season. But we'll talk about the likely champions in waiting first. Istaklaw, boo, the Lions, be more original. They were founded in 2007. Like a lot of the teams in this country, they play out of the capital city, which is Dushanbe. Uh, They're about to play in the Champions League round of 16 that's currently going on in Asia, and they're going to get really tested. They have to play Persepolis. So who knows? Maybe this is sort of a trap match, and Kuktosh can give them a run. 2020 was the first time Istiklal got to play in the Champions League, and they made it all the way to the second qualifying round. The AFC Cup, which is sort of the tournament right behind the AFC Champions League, They have finished as runners-up in that event twice, 2016 and in 2017. Then the league got high enough rated that they got to start sending their champions to the Champions League. In any case, they've won a lot of titles. Apparently, they just weren't either getting a Champions League license or the teams were still getting sent to the AFC Cup. Because other than 2012 and 13, they have won every league title since 2010. No surprise this last year because they had the number one offense scoring almost three per match. Number one defense, they only allowed six goals in 15 matches. That gave them a goal differential that was well over twice as good as anybody else's in the league. They are led by number one league leading scorer, Rustan Soyerov. He is a forward and amazingly just 18 years old. Got to wonder if we might not see him in one of the uh, higher ranking leagues in the AFC or who knows, maybe even in Europe within a year or two. He's already got six national team caps, so they sure like him in Tajikistan. Meanwhile, Kuktosh, they were just founded in 2011. 2018 was the first year they actually got to play top flight football, and they finished in third that very first year. Uh, That's the best they've ever done, though. They play out of an area called the Rudaki District, which is one that stretches to the immediate south from the capital city of Dushanbe. It's an area of about 500,000, and it is right on the border with Uzbekistan, just to their west. Last year, they finished in sixth place. This year, The offense is not the problem. They're actually a little bit better than average in that regard. So, as you would guess, the defense, more than a bit of a bugaboo, they are giving up over two goals per match. Scoring leaderboard, theirs to boast of, is Emryon Safarov. 
Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Yes, time to look at two teams more or less smack dab in the middle of their tables, perfectly equidistant from international tournament berths at or near the top of their leagues or the relegation zones in last place where they might get kicked out of their league to the nether regions of their country's football association, never to be seen again. Yes, the most meaningless match of the world. And the one you've voted on is a Saturday match. We're going to... The Faroe Islands Premier League. Sorry, the Faroe Islands Premier League, where, well, they're about two-thirds of the way through the season. One team's going to get a – the champion's going to get to go to the Champions League next year. The next two teams at the table will get to go to the Europa Conference League. And the last place team out of these ten will, in fact, get relegated. Yes, the Faroe Islands actually has more than one league, believe it or not. And your matchup, number six, zero seven Vester. Versus number seven, B68 Tufter. Are you sure about those pronunciations? Those names look weird in your notes. Yeah, yeah I usually look them up, but I mean, this match, I, I just didn't figure it mattered. Um, anyway, talking about the first team, uh, 07 Vester. Their defense is actually like tied for the worst in the league. Offense is pretty average, and you can tell they're not going anywhere. They're 14 points behind the number three team, which, as I mentioned before, represents the lowest rank in the league that you can have and get to go to a European competition. Okay, so where's the team from? What's their mascot? How'd they do last year? Mm, I, I didn't look at any, up any of that stuff this time. I do that for a lot of the other matches. Anyway, uh, moving on to uh, B68 Tofter. Um, they're 16 points ahead of the last place team, so clearly they're not going to get relegated. One of these teams is way worse than anybody else. Wow, you're taking this meanless part of the match really serious this time. Let me guess. You don't have anything else to say about this team, do you? Nope. Nothing. Dad, wake up! And now at last, we have come to the end of our podcast broadcast road. Time to take a look at two teams that do not bring us happiness or joy, but rather cause wailing and gnashing of teeth wherever they go. They're worthy of being shunned. They're worthy of being scored because they occupy the last two positions in some country's domestic top flight league. Personoob, what do you think of them? You make the baby Jesus cry. Ooh, so harsh. The judgment she has rendered. Yes, this is truly the match of... Disappointed! And we're looking at the two teams that are at the bottom of the Premier League of Canada. Don't you mean Canada? No, I mean Canada because it's the way I like to say it. It sounds cooler. And we're going to be talking about two really bad Canadian clubs. It's your pronunciations that are disappointed in... Oh, disappointed and well played. That's fine. We're still calling it Canada. The top, no. <laughs> the top four teams are going to go to the playoffs at the end of the year. Nobody gets relegated. The overall winner will get to go to the CONCACAF League. Once again, not the CONCACAF Champions League. They have to do well in the CL to get to the CCL. In any case, your sad sack bottom feeders 
are number eight, Atletico Ottawa versus number seven, HFX Wanderers. They're about halfway through the season. Halifax leads the very young series with a 2-0-1 record. This year, Halifax won the first game at home 2-1. They've already played at Atletico Ottawa once, and Atletico won that match 2-1. Halifax currently lead Ottawa by two in the table, but they trail number four, Forge FC, for that last playoff spot by a whopping nine points. So you know now what we mean by these teams being disappointing. Just so well done on that person, by the way. In any case, let's take a look at Atletico Ottawa first. They are known as Otletti, O-T-T-L-E-T-E. Get it? Instead of Ottawa and Atletico Otletti. At least it's not Lions, but I think they can do better. The nickname is disappointing. Uh, this team is not nicknamed that just out of some bit of randomness. They are actually having a very direct relationship with Atletico Madrid, so much so that Atletico Madrid is considered their true parent club. This is only the second season for this team. Last year, they finished in number seven. This year, woof, worst offense, worst defense. Now, if they have any hopes of salvation, top 10 scoring on the leaderboard is Malcolm Shaw. He plays forward, spent his first couple of seasons professionally playing for non-Division one clubs over in Sweden. They're all around best player or least awful player maybe is Ben McKendry. He plays midfield. Uh, is a pretty good passer, but a really, really poor tackler. So he's going to be playing up near the front third whenever he can. And a new little mini feature to the match of Disappointed. I've looked at... Player ratings on one of my favorite source apps for all of the players that get significant playing time to look at the most disappointing player on the team, and that is Brian Wright. He plays center forward, supposed to be setting everybody up or more likely scoring lots of goals. What has he done? In 10 appearances, one goal, one assist. It's hard to believe that this guy has been with the New England revolution of the MLS twice, especially considering how well they're doing this year. Meanwhile, coming to town, Halifax Wanderers. They were founded in 2018. Last year, they finished in second place, and they finished in second place in the playoffs. Making how putrid they are this season just that much more disappointing. Tied for the worst offense. The defense is actually uh, flirting with average. It's rated number six. Tied for number one league scoring, which basically means he's getting all their goals, is Joe Almarelli out of Brazil, a forward who I'm sure wishes he was just about anywhere else. Their least crappy all-around player is Maury Donner. He's a defender with two assists. Gosh, he's got more assists than the center forward for the other team. His tackle rate is a very not disappointed in 94%, and he's an excellent passer, so he'll probably move on before too long as well. But their worst overall player, Omar Crime, is a midfielder with no goals and no assists in his seven appearances. He's mediocre at best with his passing statistics, and he is not making it up for it with any defensive capability. His percentage on tackle success is one of the lowest I have ever seen. So we will end the show as we always do by not wishing the teams good luck. But again, we greet them with scorn, we shun them, and we send them out with our new and yet traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo. boo. And that'll put a bow on it. This has been episode 46 of the 10 to Track Weekly World Match Previews Podcast.
Yeah, Muppets booing. That's actually how we're going to end it. <laughs> In any case, other than to thank certain people for helping me out, to the management for all his editing and production endeavors, thank you so much. To Dan the Interno Inferno for all of his creativity and inspired efforts. To my daughter, Person Noob. Mwah. Thank you very much. You're the best co-host I could ever hope for. And of course, to you, dear listeners, thanks so much for finding this. I know that you have a lot of soccer podcasts out there to choose from. We've really tried to bring you something unique and different with some explanations of things for newer folks and yet plenty of stuff for veteran fans as well. I hope you'll pass it on to the footy or potential footy fan in your life. Until next time, please have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care. <laughs>